back to Yin and Yang the podcast. Uh, yay! Yay! <laughs> yay! <laughs> We're here. Um, this is uh, James, aka Young, uh, your co-host um, with uh, Dan, my co-host, aka Yin, and we are here with uh, Rama Reddy. Woo! Greetings, 大家好. 大家好. Yeah. 大家好. <laughs> and then, uh, I guess, how would you say that in German? Um, I guess you just say Gruß alle. Gruß alle. Yeah. So uh, I'll just read very quickly a quick bio from Rama. Uh, he from his website. He is a writer and educator based in Berlin, Germany. He believes that education is civilization's most vital tool. Much of his time is spent towards uh, copywriting and teaching English for business, academia, and music. He is also an MMA coach. Uh, he has taught in uh, Bangalore. I, I, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Bangalore, India. He also has schools, uh, I believe, in, in uh, you have a school in Europe, uh, in Germany as well, right? Yeah, I have a group that I'm teaching with here, yep. Awesome, great. And uh, I had met Rama hella years ago <laughs> yeah yeah 2007 yeah yeah we oh my met gosh 2007 back in taiwan so he can speak you know some some mandarin yeah 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 in the end yeah and um since then uh yeah we we started out we started like this kind of like very small bjj group at the um Sida university with elliot corley um and yeah we just hanged out from since then um i met he came by the california one time and that was cool we hanged out and then since then yeah i've been following you on instagram uh your breakdowns on like fighting and mma and i listened to you uh your drysdale interview super 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 geeky super interesting yeah <laughs> Beach thanks man that's that's what that's the adjective i want yes yeah it's like it's for all those bjj if if you're a bjj nerd listening to this please go give yourself a treat and listen to uh the robert drysdale uh, interview but with rama ready it's it's on youtube it's it's amazing it's great um so uh yeah i guess what i i'll guess i'll start with like hey what's up how, how you doing <laughs> i'm all right man yeah i um uh like you both know i have a baby uh he's around three months old and um yeah, uh, so that's occupied the last three months of my life. And yeah, that's honestly uh, a, a lot of, that informs a lot of how I'm doing. Um, otherwise, I'm just a little bit sleepless. I'm a little fatter than usual. And uh, yeah, I, I'm all right. Things are good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I guess maybe like a quick... Uh, maybe self-introduction. I, I, I briefly went over some of, you know, your background. Uh, but yeah, if you want to give our audience a little, kind of like a little breakdown of who you are, where you grew up, uh, what brought you to Germany, uh, just like a, a whatever, uh, what's it called? A Cliff Notes version of your life, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was born in Tarrytown, New York, which is Westchester County. Um, moved to Houston when I was four or five. Then that place sucks. Then we moved to Seattle when I was seven, um, and uh, basically I am a Seattleite. I, I would much consider my I consider myself a Seattleite more than anything else. Um, I completed my 
bachelor's, moved to Taiwan for a year, met James, met Elliot, uh, got back into jiu-jitsu there. I'd taken a couple years off um, in college to be a college kid and I picked up his neck injury and I just, I don't know, um, just thought I, w- I should stop it. But then when I went back to, uh, when I went to Taiwan, I realized how much I missed it and I needed mm. it. Put up a, a scrawled a note on ruled lined paper and put it up in the Shida, um like Bilton board and then um, got emailed by Elliot Corley. And he is uh, now a dear friend of mine. Um, James joined us not long afterwards. I, I believe you're training with Elliot um, prior to that, right? Uh, yeah, we were meeting. We were doing like our little, you know, fight club in the basement of. <laughs> well, it was like the first floor of the gym. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then we started training there too, and then we we didn't know how to turn the lights on, so we were often training in the dark, which was kind of fun. I, when I look fun, back yeah. at the time, I'm like, man, what chaos! But what wonderful crazy, chaos. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and then moved back completed my master's in education and then um, realized I didn't want to be a teacher, um, even though I do love teaching and uh, moved to India, moved to Bangalore. That was 2011. Asked Elliot if he'd want to help. He said yes. Um, and he stayed there for roughly a year, um, helped me build a program, uh, basically rebuilt my understanding of striking um, with him because he had a very regimented idea of uh, what striking should look like. And um, he was coming from a boxing background also. And um, I really appreciated how he showed that to me. And that uh, changed my paradigm towards boxing, boxing, mm-hmm. striking altogether. And then, um, yeah, I still have a group there. And then I moved to Berlin in 2018. And um, then I had a baby. And now I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So the, it, it's, it's a... So you were in India for about seven years then, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. What, what prompted the move to Germany where you are now? Yeah. A lot of things. I think um, in India, if you're working with in India, it's just like, you know, this is going to be offensive. I think it's a shithole. It's like, it's the worst place <laughs> I've ever lived. It's the worst place I've ever lived. Um, you know, like, you know, I've, I've lived in the U.S., you know, a few cities in the U.S. Hi. I've lived in the U.S. Um, I've lived in Taiwan. I've lived in Germany. I've lived in Brazil a bit. Um, and India was by far the hardest. Like by far, it has like all the drawbacks of all those places, and then like you know none of the saving graces. It's so hard. I mean, maybe like a, if I if I lived in Afghanistan, I would say Afghanistan was the worst or something. But I did not. Um, so I think and I think India is a really tough place to live. Um, if you live there and it's like culturally yours, then, you know, there's an amount of ownership and you feel okay with it. But um, I think if you're there, then you, you notice the corruption, you notice the traffic, you know, the pollution, um, you notice all these things that come with overpopulation, but that also come with, um, you know, I, I would say like a, a very hierarchical, it's a very hierarchical culture. Um, so like, you know, there's always this like aspect of assessment um, when you're talking to somebody. Um, a lot of bribes, um, like you'd see in developing countries. Um, and yeah, man, it's just a, it's a really tough place. And I tried it for a few years and I stuck it out longer than I should have, honestly, because I thought that's like what a good entrepreneur would do. Like stick with the business, rise and grind, bitch, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, man, I did that. I did that until I was just like a nub of myself 
And then um, my wife was like, hey, you know, we should try Berlin out. So I was like, fine, I'll try it out. <laughs> um, went back and forth for like a year or two. And then I uh, decided this was probably a healthier place for me to be. And I was, <laughs> I made a great decision. Oh, What made and, you decide to go to Bangalore? Bangalore, my dad is from Bangalore. Okay. And my, my mom is from like a, a relatively small town um, in Southern India. And uh, yeah, I just decided that Bangalore is growing very quickly. Huge population. I mean, like now I think it's at eight and a half million or something. And, uh, yeah, I thought, you know, if there's a place to do it, might as well be in a place that's maybe cheaper to get started and whatever else. Um, but all those things were, yeah, wrong for multiple reasons. Uh, they have a film festival there too, I believe. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. I'm sure they do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm in the South. They have, um, well, they have the. How do you call it? What do you call it? Biennial? Bi- Biennala? Biennala. Every two years or yeah, every, yeah, uh, every, yeah, I, I mean, I, it must be another, it must be like another language, but yeah, um, it's this thing that happens every two years. Um, and I think it does travel around, but um, mm. yeah. And Bangalore is a huge city. It's not like a, you know, it's, it's not the size of, of LA or Taipei yet, but it's, mm. it's, pretty damn big and, and you met your wife in india or i met her in berlin um, as i was traveling through and um yeah we've met on tinder oh wow oh. very nice yeah so we're not sponsored by tinder but that's i guess that's a plus for tinder right there yeah <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> tinder did his job yeah oh great so you were tra- you were like basically backpacking uh, europe at the time yeah yeah, yeah. but you were still uh, coaching in India as well. Or- yeah. So basically I, I went home for a month or two, came back. Um, and on the way back, I went through Europe. That oh, great. It. Wow. Wow. That's uh, okay. So you, you did long distance for a while then it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, months at a time she would visit me. I'd visit her. Um, mm. yeah, it was cool. I like whenever she came, we always traveled someplace new and it, it was cool. It was like, you know, she's really into traveling too. Awesome. How, how, sorry, this is maybe a detour from your, 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 your I will get Mark to was. your, like your expertise. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious about, cause I, you know, my, my last relationship was long distance with my girlfriend in Taiwan. So how, yeah, I'm, I'm, how did you know, I guess, was there an instant connection, love at first sight or no, no, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> it was just, yeah, uh, sex there, was it wasn't great, the- <laughs> 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 well, I mean, there, I think there's that. And then there's also like, um, you know how it is like as a man um, you're often the person that needs to mature to like see the value of uh, the relationship um, so in my case like she was like persistent enough and um, she was cool and she was fun and she was pretty and like you know she had these things that I really liked but like the big thing was she was persistent um, oh. so she was willing to like she was willing to you know come to India a couple times she would, she would say, Hey, come to Berlin. Just like, check it out. See if you like it. Like mm. just kind of, um, letting me explore, um, what this city could look like if I lived in it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I needed someone like that. I needed someone that like could give me like that kind of guidance and that kind of structure and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was 
it was really refreshing too to have that um, coming from India, like being in India for so long. Yeah. Um, because when you're, yeah, I mean, India is just like chaos incarnate. Uh, just no rules, nothing matters. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, you know, are you at the top of the hierarchy? Okay, do whatever the fuck you want. Um, pay this person off, pay this person off. World is good. You know, like it's, so it's coming, coming from that to someone trying to like, structure something but still like trying to show you how it could be and you know she thought about coming to bangalore too um and i think she would have been open to both options but then she did kind of give me the option to like uh come to berlin too and uh yeah and i think because of her yeah for lack of a better word her guidance her leadership i was i was um really i really saw the value in in being with her it sounds like she was your, I guess the term, your rock, it seems, or your, your anchor in certain yeah. ways. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's you're fair rock. to say. Yeah, I think it's very fair to say, I, you know, and, and not to get, I, I'm no sociologist and I'm certainly no dating coach or anything, but like, you know, if you're in a, if there's a relationship and there's a man and a woman, then generally the man is kind of dictating direction and, you know, where things go and, you know, what we're doing and stuff. And I still have that energy, but then having someone that had the, had the, the very, very long overview and, and, you know, maybe this more strategic outlook um, was really cool. Um, And then I could put my energy into kind of the things that she was seeing. Right. Cause uh, sidebar, uh, when we visited, I think we were all about, when you visit the U S uh, where I was living, I think we were all about trying to get laid. I mean, oh yes, term. yeah, 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 <laughs> yes. absolutely. Yeah, I hope your wife doesn't, you know, I mean, doesn't take offense to listening to this. No, no, it, but, no, yeah. no, she's cool. But uh, yeah, it's interesting because I I went back to that. I was in that phase, and then I was in that phase in LA. Dan has known me in that phase for a while. Um, that the time that we've known each other, but now I'm I'm in a committed relationship with a Japanese woman. And um, is, is your, sorry, is your wife is around the same age, I'm assuming, or? She's a little bit older than me too. So oh, that okay. could so be. So that's, yeah. that's, yeah. Um, so yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, we're not getting any younger. So I'm, I've been thinking about like, hey, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's time. But to do see. you age though? Look at I, you. I <laughs> do age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay. Uh, my girlfriend, she's, she's younger than me. Um, uh, but uh I think in many ways, she's like an old soul, very, uh, very mature in, in more ways than I am uh, in certain as- aspects, you know, she's definitely not as experienced as I am in like, you know, relationships and hooking up and stuff. She doesn't, you know, not, she wasn't, she was never into that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so I find it very kind of like refreshing. It's a different perspective, you know? Um, anyways, that's, that's where my mind is. So when I heard about your relationship, it's kind of like, I was kind of curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in that headspace now about you know being in a serious, committed relationship, and not trying to yeah, that, you know screw everything. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a very natural development. Like, I mean, now that I have a son, it's kind of like I want him to get past the you know fuck everything yeah uh, phase uh, as quickly as possible. So, like, I've been thinking about that too. Like, you know, how do, what like what does maturity look like and um, what are aspects of responsibility that he can take on and, you know, what are social responsibilities that he would be proud to take on? 
And well, these well, are all. Man, I guess things. you're further yeah. along in the, you're you're further along in this. Uh, um, so two questions for you, Dan. Since yeah, since you're since we're on this topic, uh, was your wife kind of like a rock, or it sounds, or were you like the base in the relationship? And then for your kids, like to Rama's question, like how did you navigate that? I mean, they're still young, but yeah. I, the rock thing, the rock question is actually very interesting. But I mean, she's being an, an artist or an actor at the time. Um, things were like a lot more chaotic. Uh, she's her schedule is still pretty chaotic, but um, I'm I have the nine to five. So as far as like the life perspective, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to answer that. I have to think about that one. But as far as the kids are concerned, um, you, you have all these grand plans for your kids, but you really have to adjust as they grow older and see what they're like. And then at some point you're just like, oh man, I got to make sure that this kid is alive and just stays alive and healthy. And then once you get to another phase, you're like, oh man, once they get to school, I was like, I hope they're not assholes. <laughs> they're not, they're not the bully or they're the, and they're not the ones that are shunned. So you want to make sure that they're confident and uh, good people. And now, mm -hmm. like, as they're getting, my older kid is like nine, and I'm hearing the stories like, oh, how am I going to get him into school, like college? Because that's super difficult now. SATs or ACTs, yeah. it's expensive. But then we we're just talking to a friend, and he was like talking about how his kid got into Johns Hopkins, and it was like a, a he was like a 4.0 student, you know, in the debate team, ranked 11th in golf, did all these things, but it was almost very painful for him to get into Johns Hopkins or any of the schools that he wanted to get into. Is he Asian so, or? He's half, half Korean and half white. And uh... his parents are both lawyers. So I think that's why he's into debate. But mm. it's just all these yeah. things, as, as they get older, your things change. But the overlying... You know, underlying thing is like you want to make sure that he's they're confident and yes. that they're comfortable with who they are. Mm -hmm. And then then you worry as an Asian kid, you're like, oh, man, I remember getting bullied. I was like, I have to make sure that they know some martial arts. Yes. You know, even if it's just like rudimentary, that they know how to throw a punch and know how to like actually uh, redirect energy. Like you know, these days you watch people get tackled. So you have to make sure that they know how just a little bit enough to like defend themselves mm -hmm. and not get their ass kicked <laughs> or break fall, yep. learn how to break fall right yeah yeah, yeah. all these things yeah. go into your mind because um as minorities you have to think about these things growing in america growing up in america i mean i was a kid in the 80s and i was like oh man it's just like shitty being like one of the only chinese kids in san diego so or in my school at least huh. are, are you seeing any anti-asian stuff in germany at all or uh rama no 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 I mean, Germany, Germany too, is just like uh, hypersensitive about anything dealing with race. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wonder why. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so uh, my, and I'm in, I'm in old East Berlin, which was communist. Right. And um, the, there are generations of Vietnamese here so like um, uh -huh. basically the you know as as fellow communists the Vietnamese that came here and um, yeah it's, it's quite a a, a large um, minority here in my neighborhood um, and at this point too like they've been here three generations they're, they're German um, <laughs> but 
and they speak with like a Berlin dialect too, which is a trip uh, for me. Mm. But um, but yeah, they're like really uh, you know well ingrained in the city, and I work like a little bit outside of the urban space, um, and there too, I, I noticed that people are like hyper. Uh, uh, hypersensitive about offending you. So they won't ask you if I say I'm from the States, like the second question that I get in the States is, but, but like, where are you from? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to take offense to that. I get what you mean. Like genetically. I, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, in here they do not ask that shit. It's like, you're American. Okay. You're American. Um, mm. and like, obviously I have a, I do not have like an American name. I don't have like an apple pie name, you know? So, uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's them purposely, um, holding that question back and they're, yeah, I noticed this too. Like my, my wife, Tatiana didn't know, um, the exact origins, you know, genetically of one of her friends, um, and like one of her best friends. Uh, and, and I was like, aren't you curious? He's like, no, it's like a rude question to ask. Uh, interesting oh yeah in the states we're like oh no no come, yeah yeah okay where are your parents from what's the lineage you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like uh yeah is, is, like for instance like my next question is your your wife is uh white german or she's white yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. like it gets it, it you know i could i think when you say like uh german german like we we have the idea of like some like homogenous group of people that are 80 million strong yeah. Um, yeah. but then there's, they're quite divided, um, within Germany. And then mm-hmm. she's her, her grandparents are, were part of, um, something called the Donauschwaben. So sweet. Have you heard Swabia? No. Swabians. No. But since that, uh, do you know Stuttgart, the city of Stuttgart? Yeah. Okay. So Stuttgart is, uh, where like Mercedes Benz is headquartered yeah. and whatever else. Um, anyway, that area is called Swabia and Swabia was a name of a Germanic tribe. And um, there were, there's a minority that was in Hungary, Serbia, Balkans called the Donau Schwaben. Um, Donau is the Danube river. Okay. And uh, yeah, so then they were called the Donau Schwaben. And then after World War II, her grandfather, by the way, wrote uh, an autobiography that is just harrowing, um, detailing his, um, his life through World War II. I mean, his family was um, massacred, basically, oh, um, and then, and then they escaped to Austria, and then they they were refugees, refugees from Austria, and they came to Swabia. Um, so yeah, so on her dad's side, she is Donau Schwaben, which is uh, yeah, something really interesting, different. Just it it tells you just how widespread the German German people are, kind of. Right. It's kind of interesting because as foreigners, like non-German people, we assume, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, all Germans, right? And that yeah. they're all, you know. Homogenous. Homogenous, yeah. right? And then we say, yeah. you know, white American or European Americans say the same thing about, you know, China, India, whatever. Oh, of whatever. course. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, what India is just, yeah, there's no South. What's what's the difference between North and South? It's just India, right? You know, like, so. Mm. Yeah, but, dude, this is, this is always the thing with me and her mom. Her mom's wonderful. Love her mom. Uh, but like she would always be like, oh, uh, here's this um, book I got you or here's like this, um, 
this movie I watched. And I was like, yeah, that's really cool. It's Hindi. We don't speak Hindi, but like, oh, cool. Like, I'm glad you liked it. Um, and like, I think for her, for the last like couple of years, it's been like, oh, um, India is like this giant ass country with 1.2 billion people in it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Rama is part of a very small minority that speaks only 80 million, <laughs> only 80 million speakers. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a learning process for her. And yeah, for obviously for China too, like, I mean, or even Taiwan, Jesus, like how many yeah, ethnicities are Taiwan. on the island? Um, so uh, yeah, I think the, the idea of, you know, uh, this is like a lesson I used to teach in high school, the idea of race versus nationality versus ethnicity um, and how these kind of interplay with each other and like, we should try to keep them apart, um, though there, you know, though there is some crossover and stuff. But yeah, it's a, a very interesting concept. What, uh, what does your family speak again? Sorry, Telugu. Telugu. Ah, Telugu. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I, it's a I, worked, I worked for a short time at a localization company, and uh-huh. uh, we we um, we would have sometimes do localization for India, and then we would do like the hit, we would hit the main ones. We go like okay, so Hindi, there's Telugu, uh, there's like Mal- Tamil. Mal- what's that? Well, Tamil is a huge one, and then Malayalam is also Ma- Malayalam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, so yeah, uh, it was always like yeah, but the the <laughs> sorry, but yeah, the main the the we 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 would have like. Um, we would get some help and like the, the people in India are dirt cheap. Like they will do it like soup, whatever you need done. Like they'll do it like half the rate of what like anyone else would do, you know? So like, and like, but finding a quality one, like eventually after like through the years, this company had found like some quality um, service providers in India, but like they said, man, it was tough though. Like, you know, cause yeah. So, so yeah, you know, interesting working with India, um, Anyways, so I'd like to kind of circle back to um, you back to your life story again, but maybe through a martial lens, through a martial arts mm-hmm. lens. Like, did you start with wrestling? Did you start with BJJ? Um, yeah. I know. I know that we when we met. So this is a, a short anecdote, but like, so Elliot and I had been like we had met through like um, I'd seen him around the the language school that we were at. And he saw me visit a um, kickboxing uh, group, right? And he walked up to me and he told me later, like, he's, that's so out of character for him because he's, he's an introvert. But he said, he, he walked up to me and said, hey, I've seen you before. You're, um, you're into martial arts. Let's, you know, exchange info, right? So we started this group, you know, me and him just started training on our own. Um, and then I guess uh, he'd start training separately with you. And then he like, uh, and then you, I, I, I met you. And at that time, when we started rolling, he, he told me that I was the best person I, he had ever rolled with. Cause he had, he had barely started Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now he can kill me. He, he can kill me now. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's really good. He's really good. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, but then when he, oh, sorry. But I, um, and then he told me uh, after rolling with you though, that, before, before, uh, me, uh, after, you know, other than you, like he said that you were like, whoa, like super, like super sane level compared to me. Well, not, he didn't say that to my face, but he said that, um, <laughs> he said Behind that like, I was the best, I was the best, I was the best person at the time, but then Rama came along and just like, 
Like he, like one time Rama did a, um, he did this, I don't know what it's called. It looked like a, a can opener, like a can opener submission on Elliot. And I looked at it, I was watching it. I was like, oh shit, is this spine going to break? You know, is Elliot, and Elliot, Elliot was like, yeah. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I used to like the camel clutch a lot. Yeah. So, camel clutch. <laughs> So basically, Rama basically opened us up to the world of grappling into in a larger sense, because both him and I, I had been trained by a blue belt before, like for like a couple, like a couple of months or something in college. And Elliot was, you know, pretty fresh about it. But then Rama came along and he opened up our, up our world to uh, grappling. So, yeah. So just a little anecdote. Um, so, yeah. How about yourself? So you started with wrestling or like in yeah, Seattle? Yeah, started wrestling in middle school. Yeah. Um, oh. at Einstein Middle School. Um, we, had, we had wrestling and I joined. Go I was Einstein. like this. Yeah. Go Einstein Energy. Uh, and um, yeah, I was just like this chubby kid and I thought it'd be fun. And I thought maybe I'd be good. And dude, there was no one that didn't wreck me. And then um, I noticed looking back to like the 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 coaching methodology they had was like super old school. Um, yeah. I mean, just like uh, for technical training, not great. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just about exposing the kids to that stuff. Um, that's really cool. And uh, yeah, did it through high school. Um, and when I was 17, 18, I joined a jiu-jitsu club um, with Brian Johnson, Northwest Jiu-Jitsu. And uh yeah, I was there through um, basically. Oh, yeah, took a couple years off for in college, but like, yeah, I got my blue belt, um, took a couple years off as blue belts do. And then, um, yeah, then I started back up again when I started uh, my, when I came back from Taiwan. And yeah, I definitely noticed I was like missing. I, I was not the same. I remember not being like, I remember never being tired when I was like 17, 18, 19. Mm. <laughs> and then, and then you get back and you're like 22, 23. And you're like, Holy fuck. I can't breathe. Like, you know, <laughs> everything's harder of your life. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man. And then, um, yeah, like I was saying, I, I think Elliot really changed my outlook on striking and, and how I, uh, learn striking and then how I see striking and how I, um, just, yeah, really set me down a path of, of, uh, self-discovery in, in striking and boxing. Oh, that's great. If our listeners don't know, um, Elliot Corley, he's a former, he has a professional record, right? Professional. He, uh, yeah. He's two and two, I think, or yeah. three and two or something. Yeah. So he's a former fighter. Uh, he's now, what does he do now? Coaching? I'm, th- I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. He's coaching a couple times a week and, um, he's doing English teaching. Yeah. Um, he does like and... some stuff with stocks. Yeah. I, last time I spoke with crypto, him, yeah. he's really big into crypto. Oh, he is. Okay. So yeah. he, he's this, I, I think he's, a, he, he speaks four languages very well. Like he doesn't just speak them like half fluent. He's he yeah, yeah. four languages very well. Uh, Spanish was like, cause his, he has a, his background has his family speaks Spanish and English um, because he grew up in the U S but then yeah, his Mandarin's better than mine. I can say that, you know, humbly. Wow. His, wow, no, his Mandarin's really good. Cause he's, he's into like, oh, what is oh, it he's, he's into like that, like, you know, like um, old school Mandarin. Right. So then when like he the went Chinese, to Taiwan, like... he, oh, sorry, what was that? 
is it like he like learns all the Chengyu things, you know? Yeah, the Chengyu, yeah, the idioms. So, so basically, when he spoke to a Taiwanese person, they were like, "You speak like someone from a hundred years ago." You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he speaks uh, Japanese, which I'm learning right now. Yeah. And how, how's your okay. German, by the way? Sidebar. Uh, B two level, so upper intermediate. Uh, oh, nice. Good. Oh, yeah. wow. I can oh. I can get around. That's awesome. So anyways, uh, yeah, I just want to give a plug out to, to our, our mutual friend, Elliot. Hope you're well. Um, I tried to get him on a few times, but he was like, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not the best about public speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So, but which is yeah. fine. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. I think it's, I think it's uh, for proof of that. You can watch his one fight. He fought on an, on a one card against a Malaysian guy and knocked him out with an elbow. Um, and then afterwards, uh, he's on the mic and just like, you know, just almost <laughs> silent and then be like, oh, yeah, that's the first time I've ever thrown an elbow in my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, super but yeah. technical. Um, I, I, I can concur. Like talking to him about martial arts is like he breaks it down. It's like it's a science. It's a science. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's a chess game. And it's a science. It's an art as well. And I think looking at your videos now, Rama, I can see that. Um, you're, you're taking it into a very, it's scientific, but in a way it's also very approachable, right? It's, you're, mm-hmm. you're using like, um, you know, f- you know, nice diagrams, some anime clips here and there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of curious what, uh, yeah. So sorry to continue with your story. So you, you got into jujitsu, you were missing jujitsu and then, um, you trained with Machado, you said, yeah. Yeah. So I've trained at, uh, Hadra Machado's place in Pasadena for, five six weeks he was super nice i mean like um yeah i really enjoyed it um there's a, a trainer there named khalil also really cool guy um yeah and if you get a chance i thought like a very warm environment very cool group of people there and um yeah i learned a lot when i was there i remember like training there for five weeks and then coming back to seattle and being like and feeling good <laughs> like, um, oh, I've, I've, I've been to the master i've been to yoda <laughs> you know, I, you know, honestly, I didn't notice that much of a difference uh, between oh. what, how Brian taught and how Hodger taught. Um, what, what the main thing I noticed was that Brian was always on time and um, <laughs> the Brazilians weren't necessarily. Um, so it's expensive uh, too. Machado. I, I remember I checked out some of the yeah. gym rates and it's not, it's not cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back then I think it was like 150 bucks, which was like double the price of what they were doing in Seattle too. Um, but they did have more training time. So like, if you could make it, it was worth it. I don't know. Um, yeah. And when you're, you know, when you're 18, then you, you know, you don't care if, you know, your leg could be falling off and then next day it's fine. Um, <laughs> and then you have a school in still in Bangalore. Yeah, I have basically the way I run my schools is um, there's an existing space. And then someone asks me for a martial arts program and right. either we do that um, like on an hourly basis. Um, so like we send a trainer there and they get paid on hourly or we do like a, a, a revenue split. And yeah, so I, I have, um, in it, India right now, there are two places in Bangalore, I should say that where we train. And then in Germany, how many places do you have? In Germany, I just have the group I train with. Um, and yeah, that's, that's going great. I, I hope to be um, full-time by the end of the year. That's great. Yeah. How was it during COVID teaching, um, grappling arts? 
not great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, we were actually training outside for a while um, mm-hmm. because if he was outside, then there wouldn't be the same restrictions. Okay. Um, but if they're indoors, <clears throat> then there is. Uh, so yeah, it was um, really tough, really tough. But what I did was I just gave free, free classes. So I did right. like video classes for free and I did um, outside classes here in Germany uh, for free um, wrestling and boxing. And uh, I was able to like maintain like the core of a group, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then when we got a place, they came and we, you know, we could start back up in earnest and in earnest. And right. uh, it was really cool. And then is, is it more than just a core group now? Is have you got like more students come, come by? Yeah, we have like 40, 40 something, 44. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you know how it is, like, you know, maybe, uh, I do. you know, 10, yeah. 10, yeah, 10, 20% actually show up on a day. Yeah. And then um, maybe 30% sign up and never come back. So it's like, you know, yeah, yeah one of those things. Uh, what martial arts do you practice? Uh, I do um, Choli Fat Kung Fu. And then I've been teaching since college. So uh, I oh, totally cool. understand that whole dynamic of like, the, the students like showing up the ones who show up are like super dedicated i've also had ones that are like they come in hardcore and then they burn out so fast and then all of a sudden they're like gone they don't say anything they just like you know fade away mm. <laughs> yeah that, that's one thing with like um trying to build a community too it's like how do you get these people interacting with each other and being yeah. friends with each other and like, um yeah so like we were like when we first started up we were doing like a we'd have like a monthly kind of meetup somewhere uh-huh. Um, and our open mats are wild. Our open mats are just so crazy. Cause like the, they, they bring their kids too. Right. And then basically, um, our gym is also like a, uh, a rehab place. Uh-huh. So there's, they have all this junk. Um, it's okay. Let me, let me start this off. It's a rehab place. They have, they have like these pads, they have foam Frisbees, they have these rubber rings, they have the TheraBands that if, you know, if one kid holds that end and one hit code it holds that end, well, it's a fucking giant slingshot. And, uh, and it's also a ninjutsu school. So they have like spears lining one wall. Um, it is just wild. It's just like a, like a crazy place to train. And I, I really do enjoy it because it makes you feel, um, it makes you feel like the space is being well used. Um, mm-hmm. even though it's not, I don't, own the space or anything but yeah. it just makes me feel like you know this is this is how uh, i think a, a good dojo should be used like it's it's very usable um right. uh so yeah it's a it's a really cool group and a really cool space and um yeah it's the uh it's a really yeah it's really gratifying to be a teacher here how have your thoughts on um so elliot was obviously a big influence and now that you're teaching that you taught in India and then now you're teaching in Germany, how has your like philosophy of martial arts changed or adapted over the years? I know it's kind of a big question, but kind of yeah. curious to hear. Yeah. Um, like, is your focus, yeah. do you believe in styles like st- styles make fights? Like, you know, like. Absolutely. Yes. It's almost <laughs> like you. Yeah. You uh, read my mind. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I think archetypes are very, very important. Um, and like, you know, we can start with like a, a, a psychological profile, like understanding this, you know, the um, psych- psychological underpinnings of a person and then why they're doing it. And that often, um, I mean, like 95% of the time that correlates to a certain style within fighting. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so then you can start off with the psychological base, then go on to the strategic base, like how based on this psychological base, do they want to fight or they, do they want the fight to go? And then there's like the tactics and techniques that are built off of that. Um, and yeah, it's really hard to get someone to fight against their type, against their own psychology. So you do want to try to steer people wisely into their, uh, into the proper archetype. Hmm. I guess and, uh, it, like uh, you, you profiled some fighters in your Instagram videos. Could let's say, let's take a famous one. Let's say Conor McGregor. Like, can mm-hmm. you give like that, that kind of like, how would you break down a Conor McGregor type of person? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm basing this off of uh, what we've already seen, but um, so, okay. So let's start off with what was that guy's goal going into fighting? Um, from the oh. get-go, it seems to have been uh, money. Um, I think I think <laughs> yeah. I think winning is important to him, um, but I think money was also very important to him, um, especially when you're you know living on you're, when you're in poverty. Um, so, winning to hit for him was good. Uh, winning and getting into the higher and higher tiers of MMA, and then getting a larger and larger fan base. Um, so, in that case, winning was good. What's a guy blessed with? He's blessed with uh, a lot of explosiveness and he's, um, he has a good reaction time um, and he built his entire game around his left hand. Mm. So um, yeah, that's what he did. So basically he had four or five entries for his left hand, um, sometimes going backwards, sometimes going forwards. Um, and he could also play with his length in a way that other people couldn't uh, because they didn't expect the shot to go that far. Um, so yeah, he has all these things that are going for him and, um, he was able to lead people into his left hand very frequently and finish people off in the first round and put pressure on them. And, uh, yeah, so then there's that and that leads to his winning and that led to money. And, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a rather, um, you know, and I, maybe increasingly, I wonder if it's more now towards, um, just winning for the sake of his pride as opposed to money because he doesn't need money anymore. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my broad understanding of, of Conor McGregor as a fighter. And, you know, it's always evolving. Hmm. And then you've, you've experienced um, fighters or students from like three different countries, at least, uh, the U.S., India, Bangalore specifically, and Germany. Have you noticed like the different... Um, differences in the students themselves like the, their mindset because I, I know that uh someone once said that it, just for music for example americans american students will just like do whatever you tell them but then the europeans will actually like oh what if i did this you know what would happen if i did that mm-hmm. i mean do you see that kind of like curiosity difference in, between like the three different countries that you have the most experience with in terms of curiosity, I would or say, yeah, just like the learning say, style. Yeah, you know, I think this does, you know, we should start with like the culture. I think Germany and the US, yeah. at least, or, in, you know, Seattle are like quite close. Um, right. There's there's some difference there, but I think they're quite close. India is like a whole other animal. It's like, um, you know, the hierarchy is very important. Um, yes, sir, no, sir. Um, there's a lot more like reverence given to you. Like the point where I was like, sometimes uncomfortable, man. Like, it's like, 
I'm, you know, definitely American in that regard. I really like flat hierarchies. Um, yeah. But like, there's a lot of reverence there, and um, it, it's different. I think there's it's very top down. So um, if someone's on your side, then like, you know, you really have to uh, like your your job is just like to be, uh, and then they'll just kind of um, yeah. I mean, they'll worship you. It's kind of weird, um, <laughs> but uh, in you know, and I, I have to say, like, the, the students that I get along with most are the most westernized students um, in India. Like, the ones that are, like, a little too sycophantic for me, like, it's weird because I'm not sure if I can trust them. Right. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little different. Um, and then uh, in Germany and the States, for, I mean, it's much more, you know, everyone's equal. We're all here to have a good time. Germany and Seattle, especially, um, you know, very athletic places. Um, right. A lot of people have sports that they do. Otherwise, um, they're trying jiu-jitsu out. It's their fourth sport or something, you know, mm. like, um, and they're bringing that prior movement vocabulary to the sport. Uh, and, yeah, man, I think it's just, yeah, they're very, very different places. But, you know, broadly speaking, um, I think, yeah, I think Germany and uh, the U.S. were much more straightforward in terms of training. Okay. Um, whereas I think there's more, there's more like people management in, in, the, in the U.S., in India, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah, because um, my friend, uh, you know, who lived in Japan for a while, he, he wanted to go play basketball as an example. And for a pickup game, they would spend an hour just doing drills. Before the pickup game, they would do layup lines. They do basketball drills, and that's how they approach everything. I think they you has to be a structured thing. You have to um, practice your craft before you can actually enjoy the the fruits of your labor. So I'm done with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just curious. I mean, you know, yeah. everyone's like thought process is about you know, you know how they learn and how they teach, and everything is going to be going to be different from country to country, culture to culture. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious mm-hmm. about that because now you have like a very unique perspective from going to three different continents mm-hmm. and three different cultures, you know, within each continent. So mm-hmm. just curious. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I would, um, I mean, I, I really like it when people are, you know, as a teaching methodology, when we're warming up with things that we'll actually use, which right. is why like my jitsu warm now is only, only five minutes, but it's only the movements that we'll actually use. Um, as opposed to like shrimping down a line. Uh, have you done jiu-jitsu also, Dan? No, no. I've done okay. some judo, but not, not jiu-jitsu. Okay. So, I mean, you, with judo, for example, also, um, yeah. you know, uh, is shrimping down a line useful? Eh, debatable. Uh, yeah. We don't really use a shrimp like that. Um, you know, like you're using it to go laterally, not, not backwards. Um, you know, so things like that. I think there's a lot of uh, tradition in in martial arts and in teaching and we just do things that we were shown because they worked good enough if it ain't if it ain't broken right um and uh yeah and i'd wonder also if this japanese methodology where we're doing layups on both sides um you know hitting from the top of the key i don't know like you're doing all <laughs> these things that are maybe um maybe useful and you'll actually use in the game uh, if that's a better methodology right yeah. So now I'm, I'm with, um, 
a jujitsu group here. I'm still a white belt, by the way. <laughs> All these Amazing. years, Amazing. I I I don't think there's been any white belt that's as long as me because I took a break. I, I had um, skin issues with uh, psoriasis, so I took a long uh, break from yeah BJJ because that's no bueno for skin. Um, but yeah. um, I got you know I was like I came to Japan. I was like you know what. My first thought was after I can't, I've been in Japan for about four months now. My first thought was like, dude, it's the birthplace of judo. I want to learn judo yeah. here. So I went around, I got some information from what, what's in the area. And I found one place at a, a Budokan, which is like a, a, yeah. a martial arts uh, place. Yeah. And uh, training literally means martial arts uh, dojo. And uh, there's like only kids in the class, in the judo class. I was like, what's going on? And I was like, okay, there is, I asked the guy, you know, very deferential. I was like, hey, you know, I would like to try an adult class. You know, like, this is an adult class. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he, he said, okay, well, let me check with this. There is a you know, school we're affiliated with, you know, there's a prefecture, there's an association, there's like a whole bureaucracy of judo, right? Your Japanese um, is good, man. No, no, no. This is through <laughs> like Google Translate and uh, like okay. throwing some some terms in there that I, I'm, I'm still working on it. But yeah, glad that you caught that linguistic. Uh, yeah, no, my, my Japanese is way, it's like N4, N5 right now, but which is low. Um, and then I asked him, hey, can I join, you know, the adult? And then he made a call. Some guy made a call speaking Japanese somewhere. I didn't understand. Oh, so, 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 and then, um, and he's like, no, sorry, because of Corona, you can't really, they're, they're not allowing new members. Right. So, and I was like, okay, uh, where, uh, shoot. I wonder if this is, I didn't, I didn't want to do this whole process for like every, um, I didn't want to like keep knocking on so many doors. You know, I only have so yeah. much time and energy. And I think I, I think it was the only thing available in my area. So I found a jiu-jitsu school though, which is a couple, it was kind of a couple stops away. Brazilian jiu-jitsu? What's that? <laughs> Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. not, really? not, yeah. So yeah. Okay. I mean, we, I know you're like a jiu-jitsu nerd. Like we can go down that path if we want. Uh, yeah. Ju- uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Which they call just jiu-jitsu in Brazil. Right. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, I found Brazilian jiu-jitsu and the guy was like, yeah, Joy, come on, open mat. Yeah. That's, you know, and the culture. And I, I went to two different jiu-jitsu schools here and, and I went to, I went with one that I felt more comfortable with and I, I liked the teacher more. Um, uh, I mean, they were both great, but like I went to one that I felt more comfortable with. And there's a certain culture, I think, with martial arts. We, we're talking about cultures with countries, right? But I mm-hmm. think it's interesting because an art, even though there are from different, it's, you know, jiu-jitsu has spread from, you know, traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu has spread, you know, to like all parts of the world, but there's a certain like um, I don't know. There is a certain culture within each martial Absolutely. art. Cause, yeah, because I have found with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu people that practitioners, there was one guy that was half. There was one sensei who is half uh, Brazilian, half Japanese. There's another sensei I met who's he's just full Japanese, but very opening, very welcoming, and very you know like humble, super nice. I mean, I have met some bad jujitsu teachers in America before, but I was lucky. To, but there was always a sense of like, you know, that the hierarchy that I felt when I was talking to the judo people 
was very regimented. Like he had to make mm. a phone call. You can't just go. I need to make a call first, you know? Whereas with jujitsu school, I call, hey, is it okay if I come? Yeah, yeah, come on over. Bring, uh, you don't have a gi, mm. I'll, I'll let you borrow one. Uh, I don't know. Rama, have you ever, do you get that sense with styles? Like certain styles have certain cultures? Absolutely. Styles, yeah. I mean. yeah. 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 I mean, um, I think you'd be hard pressed to um, go to a, judo school and then when you show a technique they just sit on the ground with their hands behind them like this and then um you know like their legs splayed and they're just looking at you like this i think you'd be very hard pressed to, to have a judo school that oh, even allows that like it just mm. would not be okay um whereas in in uh you know with brazilian jiu-jitsu the brazilian aspect of that art is everywhere like we don't bow before we we um we spar, we slap hands. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's permeated a lot of the culture and, you know, um, I do recommend, um, you read up on, on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, in its infancy in, in Brazil, like it was not pretty, it was not cool. It was not a, um, a, a very open martial art necessarily, um, for most people. Yeah. Uh, but then it, when it came to the U S and then, uh, it got just totally globalized into like hippie golf martial arts kind of thing. <laughs> it's kind of um, a bougie sport. Like it, right. It's a little bougie, isn't it? Or at, well, like- well, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I want to say bougie. I, I like, it feels like the burning man of martial arts or something, you know, oh. like, you know, like just like everyone's welcome. Yeah. Wear that fucking um i don't know po- pikachu ghee sure oh, you smoke weed me too <laughs> i mean but like yeah and there's like and i i i think brazilian jiu-jitsu like the aspects of brazilianness are are important but i you know i we got i gotta say i think the americanness is there too mm. um um in a in a way that's that's really interesting i think and i do think the, those that aspect of of like camaraderie and community is not necessarily a Brazilian thing. I, I, I think it's maybe an American thing. I, I, I'm not Brazilian. So like I would, uh, and I, you know, I've only been doing this martial arts since 2003. So like, I'm no expert by any means, but um, yeah, that's, that's my understanding. Like think about BJJ Globetrotters. Um, Dan, let me just explain this to you. BJ Globetrotters yeah. is a martial arts group on Facebook. I mean, 50, 60,000 members, whatever else. Um, and basically school owners can say, um, hi, um, if you're, if you're traveling through, you can hang out with me. Like I'll, you can come train with me, free classes, no sweat. Um, and you know, many of them will also offer you a place to sleep. So like they're actively encouraging, um, you know, like the dissemination of knowledge, but also like, uh, this ethos of togetherness, this camaraderie, mm. um, there's no boxing bleed. There's no boxing globetrotters group. No. <laughs> there's no judo globetrotters group. There's no wrestling globetrotters group. Why is jujitsu able to inculcate this, you know, hippie golfing bond between <laughs> us? Yeah, I mean, there's something. There's something to it, man. And there's I, something I, to um, it, yeah. Um, and I, I don't think necessarily think it's a Brazilian thing. I do think it's it's at least partially American. Is my is my very uh, spitball hypothesis. 
I, I do think there is this thing, American idea of what you mentioned before, this kind of flat hierarchy of like, you know, you know, hey, you can call, you know, you can call your mom by their first name, you know, <laughs> you know, or like, uh, sorry, that's a white thing, not necessarily American thing. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but there is a certain sense I notice of how in America, there's this, this idea of hierarchy is a little bit more, um, you know, it's not as rigid as in like mm. Japan, like the feeling I'm sure if I, maybe if I knocked on some more doors, I might be able to find a good judo school, but you know, right now I'm, I'm happy with jujitsu. Um, Omicron variant is still around. So I, I, I don't think I'll be able to get into any judo schools anytime soon. So I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm, I'm digging this jujitsu school. I'm, I'm hopefully going to get that blue belt soon. You know, like after, <laughs> like after 15 years, I'll get that blue belt soon. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, um, I, I, I don't know if this joke is true, but supposedly if you want to stay a white belt for a long time, you ask the instructor, Hey, where's my blue belt? And then ah. you'll, you'll stay, you'll stay a white belt for even longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you'll, you'll, yeah. I, if someone asked me that, I'd be like, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I have a curriculum in place. So like if they've, if they've done everything in the curriculum, then I, they're undeniably a blue belt. Um, I'm probably going to give a blue belt on, on Sunday. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, that could be true though. If someone was just like, <laughs> where's my blue belt? Like, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, Entitlement, I don't know. Yeah. How many belts okay, do you have um, in your, your school? How many belts are there in BJJ or Jiu-Jitsu? Oh, overall, there are five belts. There are white, blue, purple, brown, black. Um, and then in my school, we have, uh, well, as of Sunday, we'll have two blue belts and a purple belt. Okay. Um, and then there's one guy that's been training for seven years, and I think he's something like James. Just like, you know, didn't stick around long enough at, a, at any particular school to get belted, but he's way too good to be a white belt. Um, so uh, they call them probably... like white tigers, I guess. White tigers. Is that what they're called? Yeah. That's what I saw on Reddit. So yeah, yeah. yeah I was like, that, oh that, shit, that... that's me. Cause I'm, I'm tapping some blue belts, right? And I'm like, I'm sorry, yeah. but like, oh, I've been doing this for- I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I'm a brag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I lift um, weights too, maybe. I don't know if that helps. Yeah. And um so, so yeah Marvin, yeah sorry go ahead no go ahead no go ahead. Oh, yeah i just want to respect your time are you okay to go over a little bit or how, how are you right now yeah i could i could double check um yeah yeah definitely yeah. Could, could, we, should we pause the recording yeah uh, go leave? for it yeah um i'll just keep recording i can edit it later yeah yeah okay all right with yeah you. okay sure yeah i'm gonna use the restroom yeah i'll be right back dad yep so yeah, I guess I, I think it would be a missed opportunity if I didn't ask kind of about your philosophy on, um, so you're very, uh, you have multiple disciplines, not just martial arts, but you're, you're a student of education, you're a student of philosophy, you're a student of history. So I'm kind of, um, how, how I say, it? I guess from, from your studies, uh, what are some life lessons that you have gleaned over the years as a teacher as a coach like some what are some of the like what are some of like the lessons that you would tell your students or or that you hope to you know in, in, you know in, imbue into your, your son your your newborn yeah yeah it's a big question i mean what, what i tend to start off with is um my my advisor uh, through my master's program um, but, uh, yeah, so she had a, a very cool four R's system. Um, so the four R's, let me see if I can remember this. Um, you have, 
relevancy. So is it relevant to what they are going to experience? So that can they actually use it in the real world or in, uh, apply it to whatever they're doing? There is relationship, which is the relationship that you have with the, with the teacher um, and the, the student-teacher relationship. Um, this is, I think, more important in places like India, but it's important everywhere. And then last, you have rigor. Rigor is the tactics and strategy of how the information will be fed to the uh, student. Um, now, when all those are combined, then you have results, which are the measurable uh, increases in performance from the student. Um, and then based on the results, you should be able to, to uh, sharpen the other three. Um, yeah, so that's where I always start. I, you know, I was in Taiwan, this, so this is before I, I did my master's. And, and, you know, higher education, take it for what it is. I think it, you know, for the most part, I think um, you could do fine in the world without it. Some of my best friends are, um, that are very successful didn't have a degree at all. Um, but I did learn from my master's, um, and this was probably the most important thing that I learned. Um, in Taiwan, I was a total asshole as a teacher, as an English teacher. Um, but my kids scored really, really well. Um, they didn't like me, but they scored really well and their parents liked me. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, that was like my, my thing in Taiwan. I just got used to like kids not liking me and then them scoring really well. And then never talking to them again. Like that was it. Um, you're very hard like, on them. I'm guessing. Oh yeah. I was super tough. I have, I like, when I look back, I'm like, man, I was such a dickhole. Um, <laughs> And when I look back too, I'm, I'm thinking like, I just had like missed opportunities, like be a, like a really nice, warm person. Um, and, and they probably would have performed the same um, or even better maybe, or like they had shared more with me or something. But I was just like, you know, maybe a little bit um, uh, emotionally distant or, or very conservative with how I thought good, good performance looked like. Yeah. Um, and also like when parents are like patting on the back, like, you know, what more, you know, and you're like, you know, I'm a 22, 23 year old kid. Like that's all the positive reinforcement I needed. Mm. Um, but yeah, when I look back now, like, like I would have been okay. Like now if I teach that class, I would have been okay with them failing as long as they were happy. <laughs> like I, I want to get to know them now. Um, and I want to take that time to like get to know them as individuals. And um, yeah, that's a regret I have actually that I was, um, that was like that. Uh, so yeah, that's the, like the really big transformation, transformational change that I went through. I don't think most people have this because most people are not sociopaths. Um, so, uh, well, you'll be surprised, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> in the, in the yeah high I guess performers, in the right there's some, there's a lot of high performers that are a little, you know, yeah. Yeah. This, there's actually something uh, on NPR that I recently heard, um, about high performers, I mean, this is getting a little dark, but like um, high performers are the best at lying to themselves. Mm. So, mm. Um, so like they did the psychological test and the basic psychological test is um, yes or no questions. And then you say, yes or no, have you ever thought about this? Oh, for example, have you ever thought about killing yourself? Mm. Okay, so that's a rhetorical question, but like in this test, um, the, the high, the, there's a tendency for high performers to say, um, no, I've never thought about killing myself. Why is that? That's to maintain like a certain uh, amount of 
um, not regularity, but like, so they don't have like cognitive dissonance within themselves. But everyone's thought about it. It's like a universal human thought, uh, you know, at our darkest moments. Um, So like the idea was you were going to find questions that people, you know, that we know the answer to because they're universal. Um, And then we're going to ask and then we're going to see who lies about it. And then we're also going to check how they perform in these things or that things. And and what they've noticed was that elite athletes tended to lie the most to themselves Mm -hmm. and to and to the person they're talking to. Yeah, I, 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 I sometimes I wonder about that. Um, like, so, so, you know, in, in um, economics and sciences too, there's, there's a, there's like, a, well, what, what's really a cause causation? There's a causation problem, right? Cause mm-hmm. is it because they're an elite athlete that they lie or is it because they lie to themselves that they're an elite athlete, right? So there's mm-hmm. a causation issue, right? In science, we're, we're not we're not sure if 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 A influences B or is it because B influences A? So, mm-hmm. um, because I, I I wonder about that because then it, that there's a dangerous path, right? It's like, oh, guess what, everyone, just lied to yourself. You're gonna be an elite athlete, right? <laughs> but you might be miserable. But who cares? You'll be an elite, you know, whatever you do. So. Well, I mean, you have to believe it too. I mean, you can't just be like, <laughs> I, it's hard to make yourself believe something that you don't actually believe. Fake um, it till you make it maybe, or I don't know. Yeah. I, I, if it, I, yeah, I mean, I have to look at science about that uh, and yeah. see if that's uh, actually f- possible. Yeah. Um, but, but it sounds like just from listening to you, um, it's, it's more now about the human connection, human experience versus yeah. just getting results. Is, is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. yeah, that's totally fair to say. Um, yeah, I think part of that too is like the idea of uh, memento mori, like the idea of like remembering death. Like we have such a finite time and yet, um, you know, we treat it like, that. no, I was treating it like we had, you know, every moment was the thing to win. Uh, and uh, I think now like much more comfortable with seeing jiu-jitsu as like, as hippie golf, as just like something people... <laughs> You know, something that like 40 year olds do, um, you know, for two hours every week, like, yeah, man, like just do you. And then let's, let's hang out. Let's have fun. Let's be friends. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Or (laughs) yeah. And, uh, I think that's, um, that's very fulfilling also. I, I, I find, um, a lot in that. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry. Is your, I, I, you're kind of blurry. I'm trying to see. Oh, yeah, my blurry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ever since you stepped away, came back. Oh, it may be oh, the really? auto focus. Yeah. yeah. I'm a different person. No, <laughs> you have this like uh you're like, yeah, I like see that. I you're see like that. a uh, angel now. <laughs> like the the aura, yeah. Yeah. There I am. Oh. Yes. <laughs> uh, Is that- uh yes. yeah. So Is that any Is that any sharper? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a lot sharper. Yeah. I think it's probably yeah. like the fading light. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think we'll there's just... also like a, I think there might be a, a filter too on Zoom. So it like doesn't know where my, where I begin and the background starts. <laughs> um, yeah, Dan, sorry. I don't want to take over. Did you have any questions for Ron? Oh, not questions, but I, I, I just don't want to like, I'm pretty sure the kid's going to wake up soon. <laughs> so maybe, I guess, yeah, maybe we should, we should wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, I guess final thoughts would be, um, yeah, what, uh, you know, we do things, right? We, we, um, we, some post social media posts, we, we write, we study, we do, we're like, uh, something I practice, um, I do some Zen meditation now and, um, there's a teacher nearby. Uh, there's a teacher that I went to in Los Angeles, but I, I was lucky to find a temple here too, to do some sitting once in a, once a week. Um, but yeah, we were reading a passage one time about searching, right? Searching. We're always searching. And I think in many respects, like Rama, I see a kindred spirit in you. Like, I think in many ways, I, I, I look at what you're doing and your travels. I'm like, Oh, that kind of reminds me of myself, you know? And, and then in, in some ways, um, uh, I, I think, okay. Yeah, that's, but that's, also, and this is my theory, and don't take this personally, but I think also I think it's probably like why we're not as close as friends as you and Elliot because we're a little bit too similar. <laughs> I, I have this theory that yeah, you know, there's well, like I mean, the, the Meyer Meyer Briggs thing, right? There's certain personalities where like they can't be too close because then they compete for this line uh, or something like that, you know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I I mean, I think the only reason I'm very good friends with Elliot is because he lived with me for a year. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and, that's the big thing. If you lived with me for a year, man, we'd be, yeah, we'd be uh, super duper tight. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I suppose, hey, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's just I've, me and my pseudo psychology right now. But um, okay, yeah. Uh, so, what my main question is, um, you know, uh, before we head out, is like, yeah, what what is your why? Like you, I, 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 and this is like, yeah, I think you've already touched on this a little bit with your with your, with your method, methodology, but. What keeps you going as far as, you know, doing these breakdowns? Cause I look at these breakdowns and they take time. They take effort, you know, to like, you have to collect the clips, edit, you have to organize your thoughts. So I'm kind of curious, what is your, why? Like you've mentioned in your, your website that you want to share, you believe that education is civilization's most vital tool. Mm -hmm. So is, is your, why is basically to further humanity as, as through the, through infor information, informing people about martial arts and maybe martial arts as a path of enlightenment, like Bruce Lee mentioned before. Um, yeah, I'm kind of curious what your why is, I guess. Yeah, long-term, my goal is to um, create educational systems that um, benefit people and you know um, allow for even students that might otherwise be marginalized to self-actuate um, in, in, some, in some way or the other. Um, like martial arts is just the thing I know really well. Um, and it, you know, it allows me to kind of express that. Um, but yeah, I would like to apply it more broadly. And um, yeah, if I'm perfectly honest, I like the idea of gaming too as, as games. Um, I think that is the kind of the next big thing within education. And, you know, the, you see, we see some rumblings now. But I think um, in the future, it's going to be a lot of things are going to be gamified. Um, and sometimes it'll be invisibly gamified, but um, a lot of things will be gamified. And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the direction I'm going in right now. That's kind of where a lot of my fascination uh, lies. So yeah, I would like for people that are curious about something to have multiple, multiple ways to look at it. Um, and, you know, if we're given, if we're given, a video or we're given a lecture or we're given um, 
a museum and we're given a, a way to examine it with a microscope. These are all great. Um, and I think I just think gaming also allows us to take the mindset or the um, mission set of the player within that uh, within their environment, whether it's like an amoeba or whether you're um, you know the vice president of the United States. I mean, there are games that allow us to take on that role and take and make logical character decisions. Um, and I think that's really important for us as uh, as a human race to be able to um, empathize and to act accordingly. Hmm. So in a way, it's kind of like um, uh, through gamification, um, giving individuals tools for self-actualization, whatever that may be. And martial arts seem is you know, it was an avenue for many people. It was an, it's an avenue for me. I know, and I know it's a big part of Dan's life as well in your life. So, um, but it doesn't have to be necessarily just restricted to that. Cause I know you also no. write about, yeah, you write about linguistics and you wrote about the Joker. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, man. I, I, I thought that was a, a really great performance. The more I think about it, the more I think um, narratively it, it has some issues, but um, <laughs> as a, as an acting performance, Holy God. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, Joaquin Phoenix just blew it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool, awesome. So yeah, well, uh, we usually end with uh, language corner. Yay! So um, we we end with um, kind of like a cultural thing, or usually linguistically, that uh, a phrase that we've learned recently. Um, so I guess um, yeah, I think one thing that I got from one of your posts, and I. Uh, is the uh, puffle. Yeah. So I'll, Poofle, I guess, uh, yeah. Poofle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, okay. Where we talk puffle, about, puffle, so I took judo <laughs> for about, what's that? No, puffle, puffle. It's a made up thing. I made like, who am I to say it's puffle? Like it's just bullshit, whatever. Okay. Um, I guess, um, yeah. So there's some terms that I've learned before. So the my cultural phrase would be like, there's kazushi, right? Kazushi is, yeah. you know, like when you do the, I did judo for a year and a half and, um, my teacher was like, oh, do, do Kazushi. And I always just thought of Kazushi as like, pull, grab, grab the guy and pull him somehow or like shove him uh -huh. some way and then do the, the, but then, so I looked at your thing. I was like, oh, so that's what Kazushi in, in a more specific, uh, in specific terminology, uh, unbalancing is, is what you call mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. So yes. I guess you want I mean, to qu quickly talk about this concept, Pufo, or yeah, yeah. Of uh, 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 Pufo. Uh, yeah, okay, so, so Pufo, I mean, yeah, Kazushi I, and Tsukurikomi and Kake were are the Japanese terms that, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yes. So, um, Pufo is uh, five letters and they each stand for one thing. So, P is position. This is the original position, the original arrangement of bodies that the two um, combatants are in. Then you have the Kazushi, the unbalancing. This is the U. Um, so, yes. And an unbalancing can be anything, it's any kind of setup that allows the the um, the defender's uh, stance, posture, or structure to be in the wrong place um, to defend. So, like, if you can imagine, like, if I'm in the middle of a cartwheel, well, fuck, I'm not defending anything. Um, <laughs> so, like, if if I can get my opponent to do a cartwheel, well, shit, I'm gonna kick them down with anything. So, um, the idea is, what is what can we do to get rid of these defenses? Then we have the fitting in. Um, fitting in in Japanese is tsurikomi, and uh, tsurikomi, there we go. 
And uh, that is the um, maximization. That's basically we're, we're entering into the, our position and we're maximizing potential energy um, and also placing our, um, our fulcrums in the correct place. Um, and we hope to also maintain the off-balancing that we just built. Then we have the E. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, so like, for example, maybe drop Seonagi, like going into that. Like yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So like with the Seonagi, um, however you can get their feet to be uh, parallel, well, that's yeah. a great time to throw somebody forward, right? Because their weak uh, axis is like this, um, as opposed to this. Now, if I try to take them forward, their weight's not forward enough, um, and the weak angle is is still being supported by this left foot. So um, okay. it's not mm. as as uh, as effective. Okay. Um, so then, yeah, in going with the Seonage, um example, um, execution. So now we're releasing this potential energy that's in our body. Um, and we're taking the person into their least stable direction if we're trying to be as efficient as possible. Mm. Um, then they fall, and then we end with L, landing. Um, and this is where we actually maintain the position. In judo, this has kind of gone out the window where people just kind of like want to get them on their back and then uh, oh, it's that's bone and it's over. Um, but in every other martial art, like being able to maintain your position and get on top is important. And in jiu-jitsu, you want to avoid the guard and in wrestling, you probably you don't mind having a leg because that's gonna keep them on their back. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Like, if that was a bit like for my judo teacher, he was uh he was also into uh, he practiced BJJ as well. So the thing we would do is that we continue on the ground doing the waza groundwork for like uh, at least thirty seconds. Sometimes he would just like, oh, let's keep going until submission. You know? Yeah, yeah. So um. So he, he would, the landing part was like, we would try to land in maybe like, um, uh, what's a case of Katame, scarf hold, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or try to land in like some position where we could get side control or whatever. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw, I saw that. So yeah. I, 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 and I like how you also connected with, with like it's, it's lineage. Well, suppose you know and sorry this this is probably for another podcast but i guess there's wrestling judo there's some interplay between those because wrestling is the old wrestling is a super old art right yeah so i guess some of yeah those i mean like probably yeah 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 so that's what, sorry that's yeah. a rabbit hole we can get down to yeah another. yeah i mean if, if 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 you guys have not already um uh it's worth listening to it's called a hero of a thousand holds and uh, this guy um ruin he goes down uh he looks at like kind of isolated cultures. And then you look at like the grappling tradition that they had. Every culture on earth has grappling, every culture. Yeah. Um, and it's just a human, it's a, it's pre-mammalian. Like, you know what I mean? As reptiles, <laughs> when, we were, when we were Komodo dragons, we were wrestling. Um, I know that's not how evolution works, but like when we, you know, before, <laughs> before, we, were, before we were mammals, we were still, you know, wrestling was still a thing. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, he just talks about the universality of it and how important it is for anthropology, anthropology and sociology and culture broadly. And it's really cool. Um, and yeah, so in that case, we had many different, where there are many different rules in grappling and wrestling. Um, but yes, it's, uh, it's our oldest sport uh, because it doesn't need a, all we need is, is two people and gravity and the ground. Yeah, so... 
Uh, yeah. Uh, so just again, for our listeners, position, unbalancing, fitting in, execution, landing, poofal concept that uh, Rama has come up with, I think is a great, uh, I think it's a great uh, uh, way to organize the information. And, and, and there's a great mnemonic n- 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 for it. So uh, I guess, because in Japanese, it would be uh, what? Kazushi, Tsukurikomi, Kake, or... Yeah, yeah. They, I they, tried figuring this out. I think I, I yeah. put like the like you the way the like, ju- you know how- Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah ku, so. ku, ku, tsu, kana. Yeah, yeah. Because kazushi also in, includes position. I'm assuming or N- um, no. Um, I the first ku is kumikata. Oh. Kumikata. So that's a uh, grip fighting. Oh, grip uh, fighting. Yeah, kumikata. Yeah, yeah. So then we have uh, Kumikata, Kuzushi, Tsurikomi, Kake, and then, uh, gosh, what's the last one? Uh, na, I guess landing? A uh, Nage. Na- oh, yeah. Nage. Nage. Yeah, yeah, Nage throw. Cool. Awesome. So, anyways, I think that covers our language corner. There's a bunch of terms in there <laughs> for our <laughs> yeah. listeners. Um, any last thoughts, uh, uh, Rama, do you want to share before we, uh, we end the call? Yeah um yeah going back to the gaming thing really quickly yeah I'm, yeah definitely i'm i'm launching um a, a boxing board game um and if you look up boxingboardgame.com you'll see the website um if you're curious to play it let me know um there's a print and play so basically you can sign up and you'll get a free print and play of uh, the demo game and you can play with uh your friends and family and um i look forward to your feedback and and changing it um, if the need arises. Awesome, yeah. So that's my plug. Yeah, that, I'll include a link in the description below. Um, anything else, what, what are you working on now? I guess you wanna be teaching full-time at the end of the year? Do you wanna promote your school at all or yeah? Yeah, I, I mean, um, I teach in Berlin. It's called uh, Modern Martial Arts Group, but most of what I put out in the world is on my Instagram, um, MMA. And if you're curious about anything, just send me a, a note or a voice note or something, and I'll, I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. Um, yeah, and I work with a local local uh, promotion called We Love MMA. And uh, yeah, and they have all my videos on there. So if you, if you just can't get enough, uh, that's where to find. <laughs> <laughs> that's where to find the rest of them. Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much. Uh, Dan, any last thoughts? Yeah. I know. Uh, I just appreciate those conversations you had, especially with a newborn kid. It's, yeah. uh, it's pretty tough to carve out, carve out an hour and a half for us. So yeah. thank you. No, I, I yeah, I appreciate the patience too. Um, uh, and uh, your sympathy for knowing <laughs> uh, what I'm going through. So um, yeah, thanks guys. I appreciate, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, I do hope we can have another conversation maybe uh, later this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you. <laughs> Whenever you have the time. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. When your precious time. Yeah, thank you for thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Uh, all right, all and right. we're signing out. Uh, cool, guys. And I'll go ahead. Thanks, Rob. Recording. Now.